All right, hey, good evening to everybody out there. Uh, Gabe DeArmond in Mitchell Forty here. It is uh, the show that, to this point, has not entered the transfer portal. We make no promises, <laughs> uh, but for now, we are uh, we're still here with you guys every Tuesday or Wednesday night, whenever we decide to do it. It's Wednesday this week. Appreciate all of you guys joining us, Mitch. What's up, man? Not too much. I, I didn't really know if it was an option for us to enter the transfer portal. Um, if it is, I don't know. I might try it. Everyone seems to be doing it. Yeah, everything. I mean, nobody really tells us what to do. So, uh, look, we uh, <laughs> we appreciate 573Ts for sponsoring us and uh, encourage you to go there, 573Ts.com. We are on. We are available, like, to the highest bidder, like I think most <laughs> college basketball prospects are. Uh, but we do appreciate our current sponsor, 573Ts.com. Go there. Uh, I actually saw a shirt. They have a shirt that combines my two favorite things or two of my favorite things in the world. It's a, uh, upside down Whataburger logo that says Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes, mm. Whataburger. I mean, I'm there. It's, it's my two favorite things. So, uh, so I might do that. You guys go pick up whatever you would like to pick up. But, uh, Mitch kind of, I, I think this is going to be the theme of this show. I haven't looked at the questions or the comments yet. Um, everybody gone. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's Kobe Brown, Javon Pickett, uh, Jordan Wilmore, and I don't know, some other guys eventually. A lot of new guys. Yeah. I mean, it, so, you know, on, on one hand, we kind of expected this. Um, and also even more so when you saw the number of people that were going into the portal everywhere. I mean, we're well over a thousand players now from 357 teams. That's pretty, pretty insane. Um, but it, it is, you know, I, I can understand at least how to the casual fan it's like, well, what's going on? Because mm -hmm. this is, you know, you're replacing now what nine guys, eight guys. That's uh, in one off season. I think we're at nine now. That's a lot. That's obviously a lot of turnover. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into it, but uh, on the one hand, that's, um, you know, that's a lot to ask for a coach who hasn't recruited incredibly well recently, but on the other, if you were someone who was not feeling very optimistic about the future of next year's team, there's a new team. So, right. Right. Um, before we get into the specifics of the guys that, that everybody watching will know hitting the portal, we've got devastating news. Bob Douglas says he's, uh, entering the portal. Um, so you know, Mitch, he's wow. he's going to find a new YouTube star to uh, to stalk slash admire, whatever the correct term is. Yeah, well, I guess I'll miss him too. Um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you'll, part of me, uh, you'll miss your front plane ticket to a wedding in Buffalo. Yeah, part of me might also sleep better at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, we appreciate you being here. Um, but hey, you know, you can always change your mind. Like just because you go in the portal doesn't mean you can't come back. That's we, true. We will back. welcome you back. So before we talk about the Missouri stuff, like you mentioned something, everybody's doing it. So what what really kind of struck me today, Desi Sills from Arkansas goes in the portal. He played 21 minutes a game for a team that went to the Elite Eight, and he's transferring. Like, I really think there is – and. Look, every case is different, and I think kids should be able to transfer. Like, if they want to, I think they absolutely should. But I think there's a little bit of FOMO going on with these kids. Like, they're looking around and saying, hey, man, everybody's transferring. And, like, they're getting all this attention. And we like to, we like to say when kids are recruited as high school players, like, hey, they only get this chance once. Give them the opportunity. They enjoy the attention. That's cool. They're 17 years old. I think what we're finding out is the 20, 21 year olds aren't all that much different. I think a lot of these kids are doing it because I, I don't know that they're going to end up somewhere better, but they see all their buddies getting all this attention and thinking, Hey, if I go in the portal, like I'm going to have all these coaches uh, calling me, I'm going to have all these fans tweeting me and it's going to be really cool. And maybe, that's unfair to these kids but I, I really think there's some of that happening yeah for sure now like there's a few factors at play uh one obviously the number of transfers is higher this year because you have a whole class of players that got an extra year of eligibility so you know you, you've, you've got the the number of people who are eligible to transfer is 25 percent larger than it has been at any in any other year um but yeah i do i i agree i think there's probably guys saying like wow if a guy from umkc can get calls from florida and kansas and missouri and kansas state 
I mean, maybe I should see what's out there for me. And, you know, at a certain point, that is probably going to burn some kids. I, yeah. you know, I, I agree that, you know, I think it should be something that's allowed for, for everyone to do once. And I think I, I, I've been saying this for a while, but I think at some point the market's going to reset itself a little bit as, as kids do realize, you know, not everyone who goes into the transfer portal finds a, a, a landing spot, but also it's becoming more and more a part of these coaches recruiting strategies. So uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, it, it's just kind of how the game is going to, is going to look for the next few years, I think. Right. I think, I think both things you said are true. Like, I think this is the, the craziest it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think yeah. it's ever going to be quite like this again. Uh, you know, the COVID year and they're going to waive the one, the, the restriction eventually and all that. So that's contributing to it. But also this, this is going to change the way coaches recruit. So I, I, I know somebody who is close to a mid-major coach and that mid-major coach told him, I might not recruit high school kids anymore because think if, if you're a mid-major coach, if you recruit a high school kid, like probably your best case scenario is he's a superstar for you for two years. And you know what he's going to do two years from now? He's going to transfer to Missouri or Kentucky or Texas or, you know, UCLA, whatever. But he's going to trans. If he's really good at your level, he's going to transfer up. So I think the best case for the mid-major coaches is they look around and say, who are the, you know, Parker Browns or that type of player. Uh, Chris Buffin left Ole Miss this year, another SEC guy. Who are those guys who maybe aren't playing quite as they as much as they want at the, the high major level, but if they transfer down here, like if I get him and one more guy, I've got the two best players in my league, and I can go win my league, I can make the tournament, and then – you know, I can supplement them with a couple high school kids maybe or a couple other mid-major transfers who are just looking for a new place to go. And then I'll do this again in two years. And if I go to the tournament every two or three years, I'm never getting fired and I'm getting all these bonuses. So that's great for the mid-major coaches. Then the high-major coach looks and goes, yeah, I could take this four-star high school kid or this three-star high school kid who appears to be really good based on playing 4A basketball in Kentucky. Or I could go take this mid-major kid who scored 16 a game and been on the all-defensive team in his conference, and he's already done it at a level much closer to the level I want to recruit. So I think the people that get screwed by this are the high school kids. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, a, a couple things. One, uh, I, I do agree that that mid major or high major coaches sorry, are going to do that. You know, and they'd be smart to. You leave a couple spots every year for guys out of the portal because they've they've shown they can do it. You have a much easier time, you know, scouting their strengths and weaknesses at the college level than you do a kid who's even a good high school prospect who's playing against decent competition. You know, because you've seen what they can do in the college game. At the same time, I mean. Like I could, you know, I can see a mid-major coach. Well, I can, I can see the the point of what you're saying, and like obviously you got it from someone who who is very much closer right. to the situation than me, who's sitting here speculating. But like, I almost feel like there's going to be some mid-major coaches who are now going to recruit more high schoolers because you know you're re- you're replacing you know a good player probably in one, two, three years. He's if he's good, he's not staying as long and. Now that a lot of these high major schools are leaving a spot or two for transfers, that means less of the players who would have gone to those schools out of high school are going there and might be more available to you. You know, a guy who is kind of a fringe power five or high major prospect might now, you know, be getting his primary offers from a, you know, Loyola Chicago or something like that. So yeah. uh, it kind of goes both ways. It's it's really, it, it is fascinating to see how it's going to work out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's something I think that everyone's still just kind of adjusting to and seeing how it's all going to look. I, I mean, we're at a point in the last week, the university of Kansas, which is, like, look, I know they're not popular on this show. Um, I understand why. They're not particularly popular popular with the hosts of this show, to be quite honest. But they are, without question, one of the, you know, premier programs in the country. They have offered a transfer guard from UMKC and just took on scholarship a big man from Missouri Southern. Um, now, mm-hmm. look, we could have a discussion about you know, how, how, how FBI driven this all is. Um, yeah. but also like, I mean, this is not a thing that would have happened five years ago. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, at 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 a, I, I mean, Kentucky just landed a guy from Davidson. Um, you know, Arkansas just went to the Elite Eight with, yes, a guy from Indiana, but their best player all tournament long was a grad transfer from Northern Kentucky. You know, I mean, I, I think they had another, I, I think one of their other players, and I can't remember which one, was from like Jacksonville or Jacksonville State. You know, I mean, this is this is the new normal, and I don't know long-term if I love it, but like this season, it, it's kind of fun. Like it gives us something yeah. to follow every single day. You know, another name just popped up that, that I retweeted uh, right before this, a, a kid from uh, Furman that Missouri's been in contact with. Like, this is this is now every day of the next at least few weeks. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, like, I, I, I honestly, I totally understand the people who say, like, this is bad for the sport. Like, it's it's no fun to not, you know, to have to learn a new team every year. I get that. Like, um, you know, especially if, if you've been watching college sports longer than I have, which is probably a lot of you. Like, you know, it's, it's different and it's an adjustment. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you're wrong. But I just don't know that it's going back that way. I mean, this is just kind of how it's going to be. And it's been trending this way even before the transfer market became what it was to, you know, one and duns and stuff like that. But but yeah, now you're going to see it everywhere, not just the Dukes and Kentuckys. Right. I mean, like every change is going to ruin sports, right? The DH right, was right. going to ruin baseball. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was a big deal that Reggie White was the first free agent in the NFL. Like that was only, what, 1992? You know, and, yeah. and that was going to be the worst thing. Now it's phenomenal. I mean, imagine pro football mm-hmm. without free agency. Um, right. You know, it, at one time, the forward pass was going to screw up <laughs> sports. So, <laughs> it, yeah. it, this too shall, uh, I'm not going to say it shall pass, but like mm-hmm. we're going to get to a point where people are a little bit more used to this. And ultimately, and, and I post this on our board today. Yes, you cheer for players, but ultimately being a sports fan, you cheer for clothing. Like, right. you know, I yeah. I care zero how much money Patrick Mahomes makes. I care right. zero that the Chiefs didn't draft, you know, the three offensive linemen they've signed. I just want them to win games. I don't really care about the rest yeah. of the stuff. No, you're 100% right. Like, even, you know, what I'm saying, I, I get if this turns some people off a little bit. Like, those same people would probably still, I would imagine, rather watch a team full of transfers that wins than a team full of four-year guys who wins 10 games. You know, that's, yes. yeah, that's just kind of sports. So, and I agree that it's kind of fun for this year. I mean, like, you know, we, we exited last offseason kind of like, ah, all right, well, we'll I guess basketball will be interesting again in 2022. And now it's like, oh, we get get to learn a whole new team. Like it's it's a every every hour developments. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think we we wrote in the in the story on Torrance Watson today. Uh, as of today, and look, things could still change. Like we are ninety nine point eight percent sure that Kobe Brown and Javon Pickett are staying for next year. I mean, I think we talked last week. Like Kobe Brown's brother signed. Like if he leaves, like that's kind of a dick move, right? And yeah, and yeah. Javon Pickett, hey, look, he's not going anywhere. Um, Jordan Wilmore, I I don't know. I'm not trying to drive him out the door, but he played 22 minutes this year. It wouldn't be a complete shock. But as mm-hmm. of now, they're returning 15 points and I don't know somewhere around eight rebounds a game. You know, um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but you know, Arkansas had 11 new guys this year and went to the Elite Eight. So it's about just about finding the right guys and we're going to turn this a little toward Missouri and uh 430 horse brings up the point that I really want to start with he says you can't yell that the team coming back next year is going to be terrible but when we try to reset the roster and all the bench players transfer you also get mad this is an excellent point and I'm going to clean up the language in the text which I sent to uh Mitchell and some other people today but basically most of the season, or at least most of the last two months, Missouri fans have been saying, well, these players all suck. And now these players are leaving, and you're mad that they're leaving. Like, it can't be both ways. And and I want to be clear, I'm not endorsing the these players suck mantra, but if you thought that last year's team wasn't good enough and needed more talent, then why do you want to keep players who were clearly in the lower half of last year's team. 
Yeah. I didn't, I mean, like, let's be real. There's very clearly a segment of people that are unhappy with the coach and are going to use every opportunity right. they can to express their unhappiness with the coach. I, I read a post on our board today that was basically like, I don't care what you say. This is clearly signs that right. Conzo Martin is, has an issue. Don't tell me otherwise. It's like, okay, at least you're honest. Like, <laughs> fine. That's if you want to believe that you're that's totally fine. Um, and, and we, you know, we said like, and this is not, I'm not trying to sit over here and say, you know, console Martin's done an amazing job. Like I, there are definitely reasons to be skeptical that he can fill nine spots effectively in one off season because his recruiting is, as we've said many times, probably the thing that's been the biggest issue during his tenure here. But that being said, you know, we, we've been saying you probably need some more talent on this roster. Now he, he has the ability to do that. And I think, I'm I'm thinking it's you know he recognized that as well. I mean like mm. my uh, reading between the lines here it seems like Mark Smith had he been encouraged to come back to Missouri probably would have done so. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make much sense to come back to college for one more year and then go play for a bad Big 12 team. Right. So I think that the coaching staff was looking to use this offseason as a as a chance to kind of push the reset button. Well, yeah, and so there are really two categories of guys who have transferred. And actually, one category is just Xavier Pinson. Like, that's it. Right. He's in <laughs> his own category. And I think we've both been pretty clear. Conzo gets some of that. Like, some of that's on him. Um, you know, yeah, he might have been not the greatest teammate, not the most consistent player and all that. But Missouri is a better team if Xavier Pinson is on the roster. I mean, I think the best case scenario you can paint is Amari Davis kind of equals maybe what Pinson did next year, but the difference is Pinson's already done it at this level, and Amari Davis has done it in the Horizon League. Like, that's Right, and and Amari Davis isn't really a primarily ball handler right. either, and Missouri is running out of... I mean, they really don't have a primary ball handler right now for next season, and I mean, maybe Anton Brookshire, but he's never played a college game. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to be relying on a, a true freshman to be your, your true point. Like, they got to go find one. But then the other category, it's everybody else. I mean, you, you touched on Mark Smith. Uh, look, Parker Brown played, what, nine minutes a game? I don't think played against Oklahoma, right? No, he did not. And let's not ignore the fact, once you have family members tweeting at other coaches to recruit you, like, I don't want to get into all the other stuff, but, like, you can't come back from that. If you're a, and that's not Parker's fault or anything, but if you're a head coach and you see that, that's it, man. We're done with this. We're we're not dealing with this anymore. Um, and then I don't like Torrance Watson played seven minutes a game this year. He averaged one point eight points. His numbers have gone down every single year he's been in college. Uh Ed Chang, like, I don't know. I, I what do we say about that? Was a cardboard cutout, perhaps. Right. One shot an air ball in warm ups? Like that's the bio? Yeah, I, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. That I truly, the, probably the most baffling signing of my life. Like I've never so, seen anything that made less sense. And, and look, I want to be clear. I I don't know. Ed Chang may be a wonderful human being, and actually maybe a wonderful basketball player. I've literally never spoken to him. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe I got some quotes off a text message with him when he committed. Um, that's the extent of my interaction with him. But he. I mean, the only guys that I can think in program history who are more baffling maybe would be Cam Beachide and Zach Price because they actually got kicked off the team before they played a game. So at least Ed left of his own volition before playing a minute. Um, but also, like, Beachide and, and Price had some, like, there was was a little bit more perceived ability at the time of their signings. Uh so, yeah. I mean, yeah, Zach Price played on Louisville's national championship right. team. He hardly played, but, like, yeah, there was something there. Yeah, um, and Cam went to Notre Dame, you know, and, and, yeah. and saw the floor. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, the issue with Chang is more, well, yeah, we saw this a year ago. Then it's surprising uh, now. But, so, I think, really, the issue is, and a lot of people have brought this up in the chat, and, and appreciate you guys. We're going to get to questions and comments and all that. Appreciate you hitting the like button and and subscribing and, and all those things. So, we will get to, to your comments, but a number of people have, have kind of brought up, basically, this is now a chance for Conzo to completely start over. So, there are two schools of thought, either hey, this is good. He gets to get all his guys in here 
or I don't trust him to do it. And I think that's really the discussion we're having is, okay, he gets to start over, and there are the perpetually optimistic people who say, I want to see what this looks like, and then there are the people who have given up who say, we hadn't recruited anybody for the last two years, so I don't see why I should believe he's going to recruit anybody this year. And, like, that's fair. I mean, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, and, and with, with what you're saying, not necessarily either camp. But, yeah, I get people who are skeptical, you know. I mean, this team, I we really thought, you know, I thought all season watching them, they were one – hit in the transfer portal one wing who can you know shoot and get his own shot away from being a really solid mm -hmm. team and and they just didn't make that happen now you've got to get filled nine spots and yeah they've they filled five already so you got to fill four spots or they filled six already but anyway uh you know that's that's a that's a big ask and it's true that you know it's a little easier to probably now that you have playing time to sell but yeah there's there's questions there at the same time you know i i do think that that is the basis for, you know, a lot of these arguments of like, you know, he, he's not going to get it done here. He needs to be shown the door uh, when like, even if I'm not incredibly optimistic that he's going to all of a sudden build this dynamic roster in one off season, like you got to give him a shot. He's earned the opportunity. And especially, you know, it may, may even, it probably won't even no matter who he pulls in, it probably won't be a, a high achieving team next season. I don't think you never know, but like he'll have the chance to, to, you know, get ever use that season as kind of learning experience, maybe bring in a, a guy in that 2022 class where they're in on some good local kids and, and then see if they can make a run that year. And, and I think the good thing is, you know, everybody every year wants an answer. Like there, the, mm -hmm. the, the <clears throat> argument that's raged all this season is, well, we're in year four, you know, can we quit talking about Kim Anderson? We should know by now all that and whatever. But in the next two years, we are going to know, as as 430 Horse says, either he's going to get this right and he's going to be here as long as he wants to be, or he's going to get it wrong and he will lose his job in two or three years. Like, there is no in-between. This offseason mm -hmm. is going to, in my opinion, determine how long Conzo Martin's here. If he gets the right guys... He'll walk away when he wants to walk away. And I truly believe this is Conzo's last college job. Like, I think he's done coaching when he's done here. The only question is whether that's his choice or Missouri's choice. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree. Like you said, he'll he'll get a chance to uh, to prove it for sure. Um, Adam Schlittler is asking if we expect Jordan Wilmore to enter the portal. I, We don't know. I, I can say this. We... We had indications on all on well, I don't want to include Mark Smith because that's a different situation. But on mm -hmm. Pinson, Parker Brown, and um and Torrance Watson, like we had stories written. <laughs> We'd been told ahead of time, hey, this is probably happening. We haven't been told that on Jordan Wilmore. Now, could it happen? Yeah, he played twenty two minutes, but I don't know. I would think if it's up to Jordan Wilmore, Mitch, I would think he'll come back. I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it makes almost no sense in my mind for him to transfer. He, you know, I mean, Mizzou right, kind of took a chance to him. on him. Right, right. Mizzou kind of took a chance on him at, to begin with. I don't know who's watching his 22 minutes a game and saying, yeah, we need that guy. Um, and, yeah, I, I would be surprised, I guess, if a little, at least a little surprised if the coaching staff kind of pushed him out just because, and I have no idea like how he is as a kid or in the locker room or anything like that. Literally never talked to him, except I think when he committed, I talked to him on the phone, but um, yeah, like I, like, you know, assuming he like works decently hard and all that, like, you know, he's a guy who does have, you know, something you can't teach in the size. And he was a guy who always the plan was he wasn't going to play this past year. He was going to sit behind Jeremiah Tillman. So it would be a little weird in my mind to bail on that plan now. But yeah, like we can't discount the possibility. They've got six guys in the portal and he played what? Yeah. 20 minutes or whatever. Like it, it could very well happen. It would also be a little surprising to go from 22 minutes to starting center in the SEC to be quite honest. Yes. Yes, it would. I, I do think that there's uh, going to be a, a big man found in the transfer portal by Missouri. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, Want to shout out Pocket Watch with the super chat. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us. And, uh, and, and hey, maybe the, the new home for Xavier Pinson. Eventually, it's weird. A bunch of stuff happened on that in like the first 24 hours. Like he was Instagramming every offer. And now I've heard absolutely nothing for a week. So, 
I don't know where he's going to end up. Um, you know, yeah. at this point, I've kind of, st- I've kind of stopped caring at this point. <laughs> yeah. At this point, whatever. Uh, but let's, let's do talk about where the one Missouri guy that we know where he's going. I don't know, man. Like Mark Smith to K state was just weird to me. I I, I mean, Mark's it's weird. Yeah. I mean, Mark Smith entering the portal was weird to me. Right. Uh, like, yeah, I, I, I'm like, like I said earlier, I think you can kind of piece together at this point what, what the conversations were with the Missouri staff. But, you know, like in my mind, why do you want to come back to school and play if you don't have that opportunity at your school? And if you, you know, and, and or if you did have that opportunity at your school, where do you think you're going that you're getting a longer leash than he had last year? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't great and he played a ton. So. I mean, it is, it's just a little strange to me. I, I, I've really felt like a guy of, you know, he's a guy who could probably make a living playing, uh, playing in Europe and probably was never going to get to the point where he had a higher ceiling. You know, he's been in college for four years at this point, but maybe he's wanting to finish his degree. Who knows? I don't know every kid's situation, but also it's weird to me from K state's side. Like, yeah, I mean, a, they were awful this year. I mean, just yeah. dreadful. Now, I have no idea what they've got coming back. I, I, I saw some guy took a sixth year over there, um, Mike McGurl, who I think actually started college in uh, – I think he played with Mitch Richmond on the 1988 <laughs> team. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Is I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird fit to me. Mark Smith, a guy who he's fifth year, third school, the shooting percentage has gone down every year he's been at Missouri. Um, I don't know that that's the guy. If you're looking at a rebuild, I don't know that the fifth year senior is the guy you take. But they're like, good for Mark. I'm glad he gets to play again. It just, I was surprised. I thought he might go somewhere more uh, in Illinois or or SLU or something like that, where hey, he could just go in and and be a guy that gets to take eight three pointers a game. Yeah, and maybe he could be that guy. I mean, probably not eight, but at K State, maybe they've got nothing on the roster. I have no idea, but yeah. Or at least he, I mean, he brings experience, so there's that. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's start going through and, and catching up maybe on uh, on some of the comments that we haven't hit yet, uh, or some of the questions. Let's see, we covered Bob Douglas at the beginning, so we've already got that. Uh, uh, I am transferring to North Carolina, according to our viewers. Okay, we're going to switch gears because I'm just going in order here. We'll come back back to the basketball stuff in a minute, but we'll switch gears real quick. Can we talk about how hot the seat must be for Steve Beezer? Like, look, I'm going to be very clear. I have no idea what Steve Beezer's contract status is. Do you? I, I know he got an extension at some point in the okay. last couple of years, but I don't know the terms of it at all. So in my personal opinion, here is the qualifications for not getting fired for every sport except football and men's basketball here. Don't break NCAA rules. Don't embarrass us publicly. Somewhere along there, hopefully win a decent number of games. <laughs> you know, but that's really yeah. it. Like, yeah. if Missouri's not really, like, they're not going to buy out a baseball coach. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, you know, I know this is not a, something that a passionate fan of the program wants to hear, but you can't invest in baseball like Missouri invests in baseball. And then all of a sudden demand that a coach be better than Steve Beezer is and like fire him for not because I mean, like Missouri's so far in last in the sec and investment in baseball. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think ideally you would not give up eight runs in the seventh inning and lose to Kansas, but in a perfect world. Sure. (laughs) But you know, I don't know that that was a, I don't know if a coaching decision led to that. You just, uh, but yeah, ultimately I don't really think it's, uh, like, I don't think he's getting fired after this year. And look, I could be wrong. Like I'm not super tied into that program. Uh, I didn't even realize they played Kansas until I saw the tweets, but you know, uh, Adam wants to know how does a coach even navigate the transfer portal with over a thousand players? So I may or may not have, uh, seen the portal at some point. And like, it's actually, you know, it's like anything online. I mean, you can separate it by almost anything you want by sport, by year, by, you know, you can, by school. So it's, it's not really that hard. Um, and, you know, Mitch, I, I answered a question in the mailbag today about how somebody was saying, I think it's it's got to be harder because it's like speed dating. I think it's actually much easier to evaluate these kids than high school kids. Like, they've already played college basketball. You've got 
somewhere between 20 and 100 games of them to watch, and you probably have somebody at that school that you know and can call and ask about them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, like I touched on it earlier, I think from an evaluation standpoint, a transfer is generally a more sure thing because, yeah, you've seen them at this level. I'm sure it is a little bit challenging to develop the relationship, especially, you know, as more and more kids enter the portal, we've seen guys say like, oh, yeah, I better hurry up and like speed up my timeline a little bit, make a decision before spots fill up. Um, so, you know, there's the the difficulty of just kind of juggling the the roster and how long you wait on a certain kid and, and your priorities and stuff like that. And I mean, like, uh, let me just say, I've been doing some transfer tracking and writing stories on transfer options. I would not be able to keep track of who is good and who is not in the portal. Now, I'm not a basketball coach. You don't get so paid don't $3 million access, either. Yeah, right. I don't have access to their film. I don't care to find their film, and I don't know other people who coach them. But it is very overwhelming. I just kind of get on there, and I'm just like, meh, he looks like he could help Missouri. I'll throw him on that list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy looks like he's heard from Missouri. We'll do him. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see, and I want to be clear, neither one of us is going to do this research. But it will be interesting to see at the end of this year of these 1,100 kids or whatever the number is now, how many like end up going back to the same place? How many actually go to – how many better their situation? How many go to a place that you would think, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense? And then how many just don't have a place? Like, I, yeah. There's going to be kids who are, who are transferring who aren't playing college basketball next year, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or at least not division one. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, it just, the math doesn't make sense. You can't like, you know, some of those spots that are being vacated by transfers are being filled with high school recruits. So, I mean, when you've got, you know, basically almost a whole class of seniors, able, a whole class of seniors able to come back. So we'll conservatively say like, you know, a third of them want to come back, but then you bring in the basically same number of high school students as normal. The math doesn't work out there. Yeah. Uh, Jake wants to know any update on Aiden Shaw out of KC. Um, we've been so focused on the, the 21 kids and the transfers. I'm not sure we've, we've checked a lot into 22, but like him and Mark Mitchell are both 22 kids out of Kansas city that like, again, it goes back to you're saying the blueprint is be good enough this year that, that maybe you can get some difference makers in 22. And I think Aiden Shaw has to be one of the guys you're looking at. Yeah, I have talked to Aiden Shaw before. He got a Mizzou offer, oh gosh, probably a year ago now, maybe a little more. Um, and he he had already been to campus. You know, he's on the staff's radar for sure. Um, I actually reached out to him this week. He's on spring break, like everyone uh, in the, uh, in, or at least in the Kansas City area is, all these schools are. So uh, we'll try to, you know, do a setup and interview at some point after that and, and check in with in him. And yeah, here over the coming coming weeks, we will uh, kind of go down the list and catch up with all the, uh, the class of 2022 two guys that Mizzou's recruiting uh breakfast king wants to know any rumors on ed chang's landing spot i mean i know missouri southern lost a big guy today so yeah yeah i i, I do not i literally i could not even you could ask me any rumors on ed chang's existence i would say no i haven't heard anything i mean he's in the portal so they think he's real right yeah we're gonna find out ed chang is catfishing the transfer portal at some point this year uh but uh, b before we move on to the rest of the questions, I want to remind you, go visit 573tees.com. I think they should make an Ed Chang jersey of wherever he ends up, like if it, whether it's back at Salt Lake Community College, whether it's back at San Diego State, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe transfers to Kansas, they're taking dudes, who knows, but wherever. That would be an upset. Yeah, Ed Chang jersey, I, I would 100% buy it. I, if 573tees makes an Ed Chang jersey, it is my pledge that I will buy it and wear it on the first available 573 report. So it's out there. I'm just saying. we got to figure out where he's All going right. first. But, but no, we have absolutely no idea where he's going, to be quite honest. Uh, but if you want an Ed Chang jersey or any other shirts, go to 573tees.com and do that. Um, let's see. Okay, so... True Divinity points out that Amari Davis has a chance to be Green Bay's all-time leading scorer, and now he is headed to Mizzou, going to see stuff like that all the time. You are. Um, here's what what is interesting to me. Like, for every Jalen Tate, the, the guy that went from Northern Kentucky to Arkansas, there's going to be a kid who transfers up from a mid-major, and you go, hmm, now I see why he was at the mid-major level. And I don't know which one Amari Davis is, um, but – this is this is what junior college recruiting used to be. Like you would see in April and May, all of a sudden, like teams would get 
They'd be like, well, we missed the high school kids. We got a spot. We need a forward. We're going to go offer this kid from, you know, southern Idaho or Coffeyville or whatever. And all of a sudden, some of these JUCO guys that you wouldn't think would have these offers all of a sudden get these offers. That's what the transfer portal is now. That's what the mid-major level is, is people just going, yeah, I mean, I know this guy was at Furman, but like Duke is recruiting the Furman kid. You know, that's that's what mm-hmm. spring recruiting is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like well, Missouri fans are all too aware, well aware of that, of the, you know, the late additions like Christian S and Axel Oconco and Ed Chang. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I think I, there, there are already examples like that of a guy who, you know, tried to come up from a lower level and it just didn't work out. I mean, like this is extreme because it's D2 to D1, but remember that kid with the great name who Missouri was recruiting last year, his name was like Quavaz or something. No. Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, he was a Division II transfer, and I looked this up because there's Mizzou's in touch with another D2 transfer this year, and I was like, how'd that one kid work out? He's averaging three – he averaged three points a game at DePaul, who was terrible. So, like, you know, my guess is he probably wasn't – that was probably a little bit too big of a leap. So, yeah, that's going to happen. Am I saying it's going to happen with Amari Davis? Obviously not. I have no idea. I've never seen him play. Uh, He put up good numbers at Green Bay. But, yeah, I mean, you definitely can't, you know, just assume every transfer is going to come in and hit. I mean, he was – I saw he broke a scoring record set by Tony Bennett. So whether he's a good player or not, he's clearly winning at least one national title as a head coach. So (laughs) that is in his future. He's got that to look forward to. Uh, Adam wants to know if there's any concern over the APR. Look, I I don't understand the APR. I don't know how it's figured out. (laughs) But it's kind of like the the salary cap. I mean, if you screw up the APR, then you're just dumb and you're not paying attention. I mean, if there was concern over the APR, Conzo would have told somebody they they could come back, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, I also don't know how it works. So, yes. But, I mean, I assume, like, all the five seniors who, who are graduating yeah, that, or who are transferring right. or leaving, they're graduated. So, like, you know, that's a significant yeah. factor, I know. But, yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine it, it's an issue. If it is, then the coaches are dumb. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> of uh, – I mean, there's a couple of caveats in this, too. Number one, all they have to do is be leaving in good academic standing. You know, basically, mm-hmm. pass your classes. Don't be an idiot. And it's not going to also they just have to transfer to another four year institution. Like now, mm-hmm. look, if, if one of these guys left with a one three GPA and ends up at a Juco, then, yeah, that's probably going to hurt Missouri. Um, but I think I mean, not to the point where there's going to be penalties. I mean, there's been like one program ever in history that actually suffered severe penalties from the APR. Um, yeah, well, I mean, one high major, the, the poor SWAC has teams every year on academic probation. Yeah, I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> I couldn't even name most of the SWAC, so, you know. Uh, you should familiarize me. yourself. You should familiarize yourself with the SWAC. It's a great league. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, let's see. Um, all right. Uh, Hot Shoulders is 54190 <laughs> and has eligibility remaining, so... <laughs> All right, Any we'll thoughts? pass that all. We'll pass that along. I'll get in touch with the the, the staff at Mizzou. You'll probably yeah. be here. At Hot soon. shoulders, just DM Mitch your huddle link, and and we'll uh, we'll get it figured out. I I I want to check this out. So, uh, <laughs> Breakfast King excels at, shoot, at shooting air balls in warmups, so could be a spot on the roster for him. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that's that's really all I had to report about Ed Shank. So if that's all you have to report about yourselves, I can't say you're disqualified. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Um, what do we have to – okay, Greg Shackelford wants to know kind of what we were talking about earlier. What do we have to show any faith that this reset will work for Mizzou basketball? I mean, the last one did. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I think – yeah, his first team was bringing back a little bit more, obviously. And now, look, it would help if there was a five-star that grew up a, a Mizzou fan and you hired his dad. That would that would be a bonus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I don't know if it will or not. But like at this point, what are you gonna do? Just stop caring? I mean, that's the only other yeah. alternative. Right. Yeah. Because like, like all the guys the, aren't just gonna not, decide to transfer back. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's definitely not an apples to apples comparison for between you know that taking over from Kim Anderson and this one because he actually inherited some decent players. I mean Jordan Barnett ended up being uh, you know a, a pro a G League player and Jordan Geist ended up being a very serviceable player. Mitchell Smith was still on the roster as of last year, um, but it was undeniably a 
I mean, an impressive job turning around a team. Like, if you're just talking rebuild, turnaround, like, you know, they went from winning nine games to winning whatever it was, 24 or 25 or whatever. So, you know, that yeah, I wouldn't – and again, like you said, like, you can, you can go ahead and make up your mind that this coach isn't working out here, but, like, that just doesn't seem very fun to me. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it'll because then you'll just be mad if he wins. So uh, exactly. Well, which they're definitely that faction exists. That's a thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brandon wants to know, wanted to get your thoughts on why Martin has struggled recruiting at Mizzou was one of his strengths before he got here. So I'm going to actually bring up the point that I'm not sure he struggled recruiting on paper. Now, the last two years he has. I mean, clearly he has. But like his first two years here, um, you know, he had a five star who played 72 minutes or whatever another one who got injured before year two but he then also had via transfer mark smith was one of the most heavily recruited guys in the country in the spring of 2018 and he ended up not quite as good as people thought he was going to be then torrence watson was a four-star that was committed to ohio state and missouri flipped him and he ended up as a guy that just wasn't as good as his ranking so if you actually look at some of the four stars he's gotten I think the problem is they just ended up not being as good of players as people thought like people were mad when Mark Smith didn't come to Missouri they were mad when they thought Torrance Watson was going to Ohio State you know so you can't get mad that he misses him and then when he ends up getting them and they're not great like say why did he recruit those guys you know i I mean it's a it's a catch-22 yeah for sure and and a couple things one i remember you did the research and found that his recruiting in missouri has not been significantly worse if anything it's probably been better than his recruiting at cal and tennessee yeah um you know the five stars just didn't quite pan out here you just they just didn't play like five stars you know when they were on the court i mean like jonte porter had one fine season but at that point he was the he was a sixth man so you know that's a big part of it i think the other thing that you can criticize is the these class past couple of classes i i oh. feel like you know they've done a couple job a, a good job of getting in on some guys early that then kind of blow up and then they just seem to not really have much of a backup plan. I mean, like, you know, when, when guys like, you know, actually this guy's back on the market now, but you know, Tamar Bates goes elsewhere or, or Caleb Love and Cameron Fletcher go elsewhere or whatever. Like then it's all of a sudden seemed like they're, they're kind of making these big reaches late in the cycle, which, you know, for better or worse, they didn't do with this 2021 class. They didn't go after the same type caliber of names, but they took all these guys early, which suggests that they felt pretty good about them all. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Uh, James wants to know any possibility of changes to the coaching staff. I mean, there's always a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I think that's a point of discussion that's worth being discussed. Uh, you know, I mean, the head coach is ultimately the recruiter, but also like, I, I don't know. At some point, you might need a little turnover, and the last time they had turnover, I mean, obviously they let Michael Porter Sr. go and, and hired Marco Harris, who has been with Conzo for a long time, but he was the director of ops before then. So I think most Missouri fans would not necessarily be opposed to there being a change, but also I don't know enough about the inner workings to say which coach isn't necessarily doing his job or shouldn't be here. Right. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like on paper, it kind of makes sense, I guess, to, you know, shake things up. But at this, like, I don't know who does what within the staff. I can say this, like Chris Hollander clearly thinks he's going to be around at Missouri because he's recruiting Brandon McKissick for them. And Cornell Mann thinks he's going to be around at Missouri because I assume he's recruiting Wendell Green for them, who he recruited out of high school. So like, you know, it seems like those two guys think they're going to have a job on the staff next year. And Marco Harris is like, he's been with Conzo forever. He's, he's going to stay. I'd be shocked if he didn't, Um, Hmm. you know, so, but, also, it'll be a little bit weird this year because t- typically when things happen or at the Final Four, like mm-hmm. all yeah. these coaches go to the Final Four mm-hmm. and they have these discussions and there's this little, hey, what if maybe we had an opening? Would you, you know, but nobody's going this year, I assume, right? right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that 
there. Like they can't get into the games, but maybe they'll just have the little coaches conventions at, at St. Elmo's unofficial coaches conventions at St. Elmo's anyway. Maybe they'll all just still go. I mean, like yeah. there's there wasn't a limit on hotel rooms from what I could tell when I was there a couple weeks ago. Hotel was plenty full. So they can still get together outside of the games, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there are games going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's been uh, it's been a really cool tournament with a ton of upsets that I think is probably going to end up with the two teams playing for the title that most people thought were going to play for the title before the tournament started, right? Yeah, I, I agree. The first two rounds were so crazy that they, I almost, I think, made the, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight a little bit worse just yeah, because we, we had some teams sneak in there that really just, they had played it over their heads for a weekend and it ended up showing. There were still a few good games, though. But yeah, I mean, like, it definitely seems like we're rolling towards Gonzaga and Baylor, which is fine with me. You know, I, I kind of, I like upsets early on, but I do enjoy getting a chance to see the best two teams play. I, and, like, I mean, Gonzaga, nobody's even been there's been one team all year that's come within 10 points of them yeah it's ridiculous that usc team like i watched them embarrass kansas and 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 embarrass oregon like that's a good team and it was 36 to 15 that was a non-competitive i didn't even have time to turn that game on before it was i know i turned it on and it was like 17 to 4 i was like well that was fun (laughs) yeah well, and then the other one, and like I've fully said, I didn't watch very much college basketball this year. Like the first time all year I've seen Baylor play was against Arkansas. I just want to say that I think Davion Mitchell is the best player in the history of basketball. Like I've never seen a guy that good. I, I love that guy. He's my favorite player. He only even had one good half in that game. But yeah, I mean, like they came well, out yeah. just shooting the lights out. That was impressive. And that, that's what they can do. I'm not going to say I've watched a ton of Baylor this year, but I've watched them a few times. Like for a while, they, they started the season like 21 and 0. You don't do that without being pretty good. Um, right. And for a while there, they were, you know, leading the nation in three point shooting. So that's obviously they're capable of putting up points. So yeah, hopefully if them and Gonzaga meet up, they'll, uh, they'll shoot the ball pretty well and we'll have a good game. I mean, there was like a 10 minute stretch of that game where Baylor's offense was, all right, Mitchell dribble the ball across midcourt, dribble at the three-point line for eight seconds, and then just kind of decide when you want to go around the guy. Like, that's the whole thing. Everybody else is just going to kind of stand off to the side. And if you miss the shot, we'll rebound it and dunk it. Yeah, they've got some some studly guards, too. Yeah. Just all around. And also, how about the 6'5 guy? Or like, he's like 6'5", 220, who got up for that one-handed put-back dunk. I was yeah. impressed. Yeah, they're a good team. So, clearly, we're going to get UCLA-Houston in the in the national <laughs> title game. I would not want it. I'm, I, I, yeah, that would, I'd be a little disappointed. But I'm not making any predictions at this point off this tournament. Right, right. Fair point. Um, okay, Sam Smith. Shout out, won- to my, shout out to my mom for winning the family bracket pool. Oh, yeah? I haven't yeah, checked. my mom won. <laughs> I haven't checked our bracket pool. I know I, I've been falling the last couple of rounds. And, uh, yeah, I'm I, talking like extended family to like 15, 20 people in there. So I'm like, does I'm she actually know what she's doing? Um, I mean, she probably, she un like indirectly watches a decent amount of basketball, right. but no, she like, no, no. I mean, there are two of us in there who are literally paid to do it. So <laughs> who didn't win? Yeah, she, to say she would, she knows more. It would be surprising. Well, if, if actually, if you said she knew more, I would potentially ask if she would like to uh, work for PowerMizzou.com. But uh, <laughs> uh, Sam Smith wants to know how well do you expect English to do at George Mason? Um, here is the extent of my knowledge of George Mason basketball. They made the Final Four under uh, Jim Laranega. I know that. That's it. Mm-hmm. I know no more. Yeah. Couldn't name a player. Yeah. Nope, I agree. Yeah, I'm. They're semi. They're pretty close to Kim's hometown, so that's good. That can't hurt. Um, about the state of their program, and I mean, like, I haven't talked to enough people in coaching about Kim, but I've heard, you know, I've heard pretty good things about him. Like, he's put in his due. He's worked for some pretty good coaches. He's clearly a sharp dude. So hopefully, it works out for him. And they're in the A10 now. Is that right? I am pretty certain of that, but I. But maybe they're in the Colonial. No, they uh, they're used, one of them. I feel like they used to be in the Colonial, and now they're in the A-10, which I obviously makes it harder. Right. Yeah, hard, harder, but also a higher ceiling. Like you, you know, you can they, that can be a multi-bit league. You yeah. can you don't have to you don't have to you know have a perfect three days at the right time to get in the tournament. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Daniel wants to know odds of getting guys like Tamar Bates or Rocket Watts that Mizzou recruited previously. 
Look, they are clearly very interested in Tamar Bates, I think. I think the big concern has to be there, is he going to follow Shaka to Marquette? If he doesn't, I think Missouri has a chance. I don't really have any indication that, that they're probably on Rocket Watts, who, frankly, hadn't been a very good college player. Yeah, so I agree on both accounts. I, Missouri wants Tamar Bates. I can assure you all of that. They're they're definitely uh, definitely looking to pull the old Poach Martin move there. Um, so we'll see. I he think needs to Marquette commit to Illinois first, though. Yeah, <laughs> Marquette obviously is a possibility. You know, there's talk about Kentucky because his lead recruiter from Texas is there, and obviously it's Kentucky. I, I'd be a little surprised. I mean, I have no idea what Kentucky's like, you know, yeah. recruiting and roster looks like. It seems I just feel like they, I don't know. That seemed that would surprise me a little bit as a fit, but but who knows? That's an option. But I think Missouri will be right in the thick of it at a minimum. Um, and yeah, I I have not seen anything to indicate Missouri's going after Rocket Watson. Frankly, like, you know, if Xavier Pinson was a little bit too much of a, a headache for for the coaching staff, like. Is Rocket Watts going to be any different? Plus, he, he's he's been less productive. You know, he's averaged something like, or he shot something like twenty eight percent from the field. Like, he's just not been that good. I mean, his mortgage company sponsored the whole basketball team, and he's not even <laughs> staying there. So, you know, that's true. Just kind of telling. That's true. Uh, <clears throat> for sure. Along those lines, like, just kind of side note here, because I I don't think Tamar Bates, I don't think there's any chance he's going to end up staying at Texas necessarily, but that's kind of the big one that's open out there uh tomorrow is the day chris beard's buyout drops so that'll be interesting uh i've heard some eric musselman talk too yeah i mean he's clearly done a good job i mean he can clearly coach he had nevada going for a little bit there and and he uh you know he did a great job with this arkansas team my one thing with him i'm curious if everyone's kind of he was you know he was playing the transfer game before everyone else now that everyone's trying to do it, can he sustain it? We'll see. Also, imagine how good of a coach he would be if he did not coach his team to get down 12 points in the first half of every <laughs> single game it's ever played. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, But maybe that's part of his magic. I don't know. Maybe they have to. Right. All right, guys. So we want to be down 28-16, and then I'm going to put my good players in the game, and yeah. you can start making shots. Uh, yeah, I was about to – I almost tweeted at one point when they were down like, I don't know, what was it, like 14-1 to one or 14-2 yeah. to two or one early. I was like, I actually think it's a smart strategy to go ahead and get falling down 10 early, out of the way early in this game. <laughs> 100%. It was like my thought in the Missouri's NCAA tournament game you know, hey, they were up big early. They were up like 15-7 and then blew the lead immediately. I was like, well, you already got the eight-point lead blown out of the way. Maybe you won't do it in the last two minutes now. So, uh, yeah. Breakfast King says, don't hire any coaches who can't handle the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's. Like, are there coaches who can't handle it? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't think I, at this point, it's at a minimum, if you can't, you can't handle it, you just wouldn't get it. Like, you got to know at this point. But also, it's, I don't know, yeah, it's different than like, it's not spicy like, like, you know, it's like hot pepper spicy. Yeah, it, 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 it you know, it, it'll it'll get you going. It'll get you sweating for a minute there, but then it's gone pretty fast. It doesn't like leave your lips on fire or make you feel like you want to puke. <laughs> fair, fair. Yes. Uh, At least in my experience. Uh, yeah, I've never puked shrimp cocktail, so it sounds terrible. Uh, all right. Uh, honest thoughts on this class. Wendell Green, Brandon McKissick, Tamar Bates, and a transfer big. I mean, that would be good, right? That would be I, I, like that's best case scenario, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know that you could do much better. Yeah, um, would that is that team competitive? I mean, it's yeah, it's you know, along with Kobe Brown, Pickett, a freshman class. Like, yes, it's definitely competitive. I don't know if it's a tournament team, but it's competitive, right? Like, I think so. But yeah, like we're talking about our team then that I've seen two of the players play in person ever. Like, it's hard for me to really answer that question, especially yeah. when you've got a lot of guys like, you know, Wendell Green put up great numbers at Eastern Kentucky, but like, who knows how that's going to translate to the SEC? Eastern Kentucky, that's where Matty Mock went after he left Missouri. So accurate. There's my knowledge of the colonels. Uh, Georgia Rebel <laughs> points out that Jackson State and Prairie View will be canceling me for not knowing that they were in the SWAC. So, is Grambling in the SWAC? Is that they are? Okay. See, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm yeah. picking it up. Um. All right. Uh, Jake B. Uh, says, "Who knew that Tyree Gillespie was four three fast?" That kind of caught me off guard. Like he ran the same forty as Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we always knew he was like 
very athletic. I mean, the staff, you know, mentioned to us multiple points, like even before he started playing, like, yo, this kid, like he's, he's got Sunday's athleticism, but uh four, three is that's elite. That's moving. And, and like, is he going to be a guy that in the NFL, we all go, that's interesting. I never knew he was going to be that good. You know, very possible. I mean, I mean kind of like, I think, at like, a minimum, I think he'll be drafted like that guy. <laughs> I think he's going to rise up to a, to maybe even a day two pick. I think he's a third round pick. That's what I said yeah. based on based yeah. on the four three. So uh, somebody asked me in the mailbag. So give me give me your prediction. We got five guys that could be drafted. We'll kind of finish on this. Give me your prediction on rounds. I don't even know when the draft is. I know it's in Cleveland, but yeah, uh, sometime in April. I Nick believe. Bolton. I, I'm going to say second. I yeah. I know there's been talk about first, but. Yeah, I I think you know his combine stuff hurts him just a tad, and I think he'll go second. And I think everybody that is picking like twenty to thirty is going to look at him and go, "We could take him now, but I think we'll be able to get him in fifteen picks." Yeah, you know? so, yeah, I probably agree. So I think that's going to be the case. Uh, I said Gillespie third. Mm, in an Should effort I? to not be boring, I'll say fourth. Okay, uh, Larry Borum. Um, sixth, I guess. Yeah, you I know, said somewhere fifth, I had, in the I had yeah, no somewhere. But once you get to that point, like it's there, you know, teams start drafting guys you've never even heard of. So yeah, we'll right. see. And I'm I'm kind of asking this to to prove a point, but uh, Larry Roundtree. I do not think he will probably be picked. And Josh Bledsoe. I could see him. I could see him going in the seventh, but I'd probably lean towards not picked. Yeah, I said I said Bledsoe and Roundtree undrafted free agents and it like mm-hmm. I bring this up to point out this every year we go into the draft and the players you know you overrate right because you don't yeah. realize that like there's a safety from Hofstra that's going to go in the fifth round and yeah. there's a running back from you know eastern Washington vocational tech that's going to go in the <laughs> sixth round and there's just all these guys that we don't know about, and especially this year because there's not even going to be a combine. So there's going to be there's going to be a minimum of fifty guys drafted that I've absolutely never heard of, and I'm paid to call it, follow college football. So yeah. yeah, I think three guys get their name called. I think it's Bolton, yeah. Gillespie, and I think Borum gets picked at some point just because he is big I, and athletic. Yeah, I tend to think so as well. And like, I think Bledsoe has a chance. I think Roundtree has a chance. My thing with Roundtree is like, I think, I I don't, I just don't see him being a guy who some team goes, oh man, like we got to take a shot at that guy because he just doesn't have a ton left of tread left on the tires for a running back. I don't think, you know, he's not a guy who you're saying like, let's take a flyer on him because he could end up being really good in five years. Like he'll be really solid. And I think he can make a team. Um, because he's a good kid and he works hard, but yeah, I, I I think he's probably the least likely of the five to get drafted. Yeah. Um. All right. We'll finish up one last question from Jake Edwards. How f- afraid should I be of Illinois flipping Isaac Thompson? I mean, I can't tell you how afraid to be. You be as afraid as you want to be. I think there is virtually no chance Illinois flips Isaac Thompson, but I don't want to tell you to not be scared if it is your desire to be scared. Yeah, I, I deferred it to Sean Williams on this, and he said that he doesn't think there's much of a chance. So I, I agree with what he says. He and, knows more than me. And also, like, I, I don't know if afraid is the right word. Like, you know, sure. concerned, maybe um, wary, but I think afraid is a little bit strong. So, don't don't tell people how to live their lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. I don't know. We've gone about an hour. Um We've talked about every transfer in America. I think uh, nobody's transferred since the show started. I believe me, both of those last two statements aren't true. There are so many more transfers okay. we've talked about because nobody has transferred in the portal and to and or from Missouri since the show started. There we go. Nice. Right? We think. <laughs> I don't think so. I hope not. I hope I'd rather not pick up my phone here in a minute and find that to be the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have mine with me. It hasn't buzzed yet, so. Um, all right. Well, appreciate all you guys being here. Um, pretty good crowd for a, a random off season Wednesday. We'll keep this up, uh, every now and then we might switch to Tuesdays. Uh, largely depends on, well, it, it, let's be honest. It just largely depends on which days we want to play golf, um, going forward. So we'll figure <laughs> that out, but, uh, we'll be here once a week with you and, uh, we'll be doing that. Thanks to five, seven, three T's. So before you leave, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, 
when you leave, go over to 573tees.com, check them out, uh, give them a little business, and uh, make sure that they know you heard about it here on the show. And uh, Mitch, I don't know, we'll uh, we'll wake up and check the portal again tomorrow. Sounds good. That's the new routine. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me know if you see Bob Douglas in there. Oh, yeah, I'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for watching, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you later on.